This is Connected, episode 141. Today's show is brought to you so kindly by Encapsula and Away. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am so happy to say that the band is back together. We have the front man, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hey, Hi, Federico. And producer slash songwriter slash drummer, Stephen Hacker. I've never been a drummer, but I did play bass in high school and college. I don't see so, you as you a know. drummer. Oh, so close. No, bassist. I went Super with, cool. like, I don't know. I didn't want to say he was a guitarist. I don't know why, so I just went with, with drummer. It was I was maybe angling towards, like, trumpet or something, but wow. I just couldn't think of a funny enough instrument. Hmm. I see Stephen more as a, as a producer slash impresario of sorts, mm. mm-hmm. you know? Sounds about right. Like, yeah. Front man, hype man. So we have we have big <laughs> news. Big big news to start the show. Uh-oh. The first link in the show notes, if you go to your app right now, go to the webpage relay.fm slash connected slash one forty one. Uh there is a link to an eventbrite page where we have tickets up to the public now for our Chicago show. On Sunday, October 15th. This is the show we're doing in conjunction with the Release Notes Conference. Most of the tickets went to Release Notes attendees, but there are a handful left available to the public. So if you want one and you're still listening to me, then you need to stop and click the link because they're probably already gone. Yeah, it's too late. If if you wait to the end of that sentence, it's too late. Probably. So, sorry. Uh, We hope you got a ticket, though. We hope you stopped halfway through. We do. There's a wait list as there always, always uh, is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're excited to see you all in Chicago. So all three of us will be mm-hmm. on stage doing a Connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do follow-up uh, in, in real life in person. That episode will be released that week as the normal show. So if you aren't there, it's not like special content. It's like locked away for those audience members. It is uh, our normal episode that week. So we're super excited to be doing it with release notes. Thank you again to those guys for helping make it possible. Mm-hmm. They've really mm-hmm. done all the hard work for this. We're, we're just basically just showing up and plugging in some microphones. So thanks uh, to Release yeah. Notes. And yeah, we'll see you there. It's wi- Windy City, right? The Windy City. The windy City. Yoga. There's a rumor going around that I'm going to be eating a deep dish pizza on stage. The mm, Chicago one. I just wanted to say that it, it is not true. Mm. It's not happening. But maybe off stage, we could arrange uh, an Instagram story. Yeah. Because like, I want to yeah. try it. I want to <laughs> try too. what uh, I've heard of is like pizza casserole, is what mm, I've been told. It's very it's, much it's like that. More like, so uh, I want to try it because I've never tried it. So there will be a uh, cons- consumption of deep dish. <laughs> uh, it's either where we eat it or fall into it. I'm not sure which one it's going <laughs> to end up being. I guess you have to be there to find out. So yeah. hope you got a ticket. So yeah, so there'll be there'll be lots of fun stuff. We'll be at the conference. Uh, we're going to be in Chicago for about a week together, so it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Making trouble. But it is time to move on to uh, follow-up. And the first piece of follow-up I have many questions about, mostly for Federico. So to set the stage a little bit, a couple of weeks ago, Apple announced that the affiliate program for apps, so if you link to an app in a blog post or in a tweet with a special link, you would get 7% of that sell coming out of Apple's 30%. So it's not coming out of the developer's pockets, coming out of Apple's as a thank you for linking to the App Store. And they had this big email, and I thought it was very clear, I think all of us thought it was very clear, that apps are getting cut to 2.5%, not 7%. And there was lots of hand-wringing, a lot of sites, uh, including Mac Stories and like 512 Pixels and like the sweet setup that I do editing for, like a bunch of projects that 
you as a listener know and love depend on this income. And it was going to be slashed. And it turns out that Apple cl- clarified in like air quotes. I think they walked it back. But uh, Federico, JK. what did they say? So I was doing some research on the affiliate program a couple of nights ago. And just to make sure, I went to the Apple affiliate website. And they do have a blog, which is like a news page. It doesn't have an RSS feed. And it's just one of those unknown blogs that you really got to go look for. And there was an update from May 5, so that would be a Friday, uh, saying uh, commission update is very terse, uh, very short update. And it was literally saying, we just want to clarify uh, some of the previous changes that we communicated over email on the commissions uh, for the affiliate program. And we wanted to clarify that only the uh, commission on in-app purchases, it's going to drop to 2.5%. Um, all other commissions, including apps and books and TV shows, uh, it's going to stay, it's going to remain at 7%. And Apple used the term clarify, but it wasn't really clarify because if you compare the original announcement from the email and the updated announcement, you can clearly see how the what Apple refers to app content, which would be paid iOS apps, was not in the first email uh, when they were mentioning the 7%, but it was in the commission update on the blog. So what Apple did was they didn't send an email to the members of the affiliate program. They posted on this blog that no one follows on May 5. And I noticed on two days later, so uh, no other blog had noticed uh, this update from Apple. They didn't send an email. They didn't set any update. I just went there and realized, oh, they just reverted the change. They're backtracking on the commissions for paid iOS apps. So basically, now paid apps, paid iOS apps and Mac apps are going to stay at 7%. The commission paid up to the members of the affiliate program. Only in-app purchases are going to go to 2.5%. And yes, Apple did say we're clarifying, but to me that, you know, that's basically backtracking on a previous decision. I don't know why it happened. I suppose they heard the feedback from a lot of members of the program, uh, or maybe it was just a mistake. I mean, must be a very odd circumstance to get that wrong, Yeah, uh, which makes me believe it wasn't a mistake, it was a decision. Then they heard the outcry from members of the program and some websites and podcasts, and they decided, well, it's not worth it. You know, maybe it's a bad PR move, maybe it's bad for the ecosystem. I don't know, but they're going to, you know... Keep it at 7%. Yeah. What I don't understand is why they did this, changed their minds, or clarified an incorrect statement or whatever it was, but they didn't tell anyone. They just right. left it on that <laughs> blog that nobody reads. Nobody reads. And, uh, you know, I just stumbled upon it accidentally almost because, uh, you know, I just wanted to double check everything on the on the Apple affiliate website. And I saw this link, go to the news page. I was like, okay, let's go to the news page. And I saw this update from Friday. So, you know, between posting on a Friday, I guess in the afternoon and without sending an email uh, and this one paragraph notice, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. And it makes me wonder if this move of cutting the commissions was really done to prevent, you know, paying out large amounts of money to, as I speculated uh, two weeks ago, to maybe big players like Facebook or Google or Twitter, you know, big social networks that use their affiliate codes to earn commissions on apps that are 
displayed on those services as native uh, app install ads. And because, you know, the majority of app install ads that you see on Facebook, for example, if Facebook does use the affiliate program, but the majority of those apps are freemium games and freemium apps. So free downloads um, that have in-app purchases for gems or, you know, those types of freemium games. Makes me wonder if maybe Mm. the move was supposed to cut that money to players like Facebook and Google and Bing, I don't know. But why can't they just like find a way to stop people making affiliate money from their own applications? Right, there should be a uh, sort of tiers in the program, you know, if you make uh, over, I don't know, <laughs> half a million dollars a year, probably you should get a smaller com- piece of the pie of the affiliate commission. That's what I would do. I would, you know, for indie websites, I would keep one type of commissions, uh, but for other you know, social networks and people who really make a lot of money, uh, the commission should be lower. And that's what makes the most sense to me. Instead, they're going to slash the inner purchase for everyone, which is not necessarily great news for indie websites. And, you know, because a lot of apps these days tend to be free with subscriptions or in-app purchases. But still, from my perspective, it's still good news to have 7% of unpaid apps because those are the apps that I tend to prefer, the productivity apps that I tend to write about. But it's definitely an interesting move and I don't understand why the change happened in the first place and why it was miscommunicated or mismanaged. I have no idea. Surprise! So, Workflow's back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, can he really be well, back if you know, you know went there away? Were, there were many reports that it was dead. Um, I think our friends at ATP mm. began this situation. Well, I mean, that came from a comment from some from like workflow support team. So I, I think it's probably premature to call this back from the dead. Well, but, I mean, okay, um, so whatever came from the support team, what was reported was no more updates of any kind coming to workflow. Like that was the, the tone. And yeah. everyone was like, that's it, it's done. They wrapped it up and they moved away. And that's not the case, right? Like <laughs> what up. we have is there has been an update. The mm. update restores some functionality and has actually made some feature enhancements as well. Like I was expecting maybe this would just be restoring for the companies that have said, yes, you can use our stuff again, which includes Chrome, which I'm so happy about. Google Chrome Actions are back and Pocket have been added. But it's also added some um, Apple Music functions, but also made some improvements. Like one of them, which is something that I was really hoping for, which I think we spoke about. I think we spoke about the episode when we were just talking about workflow before it got sold and I was talking about how dictionaries just have a random order, right? Which is apparently a thing. But now yeah. when yeah. they're kind of chained to, to, to lists, when they're supposed to be presented as a list, they now fix the order in place, which I think is great. Yeah. That, uh, I guess that workflow was able to basically rewrite their own JSON and dictionary support. So to make sure that items preserve their order. It's I a- feel like they were just saying to me, like, we're so sorry about the stress we've caused you. So here you go. Here's your feature. I think I think that's what happened. Yeah, that's definitely how it went down. They put it on a whiteboard, right? Mm. Like make but Mike happy be- again. And then, yeah. Fix for Mike. Mm. Yeah. Sure. I mean, the big idea here is that these are no major features. Like it's not uh, the type of update that introduces magic variables or web APIs. It's an update with some new features uh, but they're not groundbreaking, uh, you know, uh, major functionalities mm-hmm. added to workflow. 
it's still good to see that Apple is investing in the app in, you know, with bug fixes, various improvements, minor additions, maybe you could say with Apple Music, you can now manage your playback queue and restoring some of the actions that got pulled with the acquisition. I don't know what to think. I'm, I want to be optimistic because this means there's still people working on it. There's still people listening and, uh, you know, monitoring the problems with the app and fixing those. I don't know if it means, well, we can prepare for that kind of aggressive release schedule that Workflow used to have when it was an independent app. We're somewhere in the middle. Um, I don't want to say the Workflow is dead. And I don't, also don't want to say that it's in a limbo. It's, it's somewhere in between those two states. Um, it's not going to have a redesign, I believe. It's not going to have new major additions, but it will probably receive bug, fixi- bug fixes, improvements, and you know these minor changes. They're still welcome, and you know uh, I want to be optimistic, but I don't know how many of these will get. In the meantime, I just wanted to, to say how I'm still using workflow. I'm still creating workflows because the app functions as always. And now it's even better mm-hmm. because they fixed a bunch of things. Um, so it's not like... Uh, because I saw some people that are abandoning workflow out of principle, even if it's still working great, and even if it if it got an update yesterday, there's still people who are going to say, well, I'm not spending any more time in this app because it's dead. And I think that's... Um, you know, everyone is free to do whatever they want, but I think that's, you know, counterintuitive. I mean, if the app works and if it can save you time, why not just keep using it? Uh, but, you know... Some people, they took very precise and strong stance yeah. on things. Uh, I, th- so, I, I kind of feel the way that you do. Like, I don't expect to ever see something like a magic variables added to this application, right? Like this application as we have it right now. Um, but I am hopeful and I have faith that we're, we will see things like this. You know, if there's a bug that needs to be fixed, it'll be fixed. If there's a slight improvement that can be made, they'll make it. Um, whilst the workflow team, I'm sure, are working on some cool stuff inside of Apple. But really, honestly, for the time being, that's all I want. Like, I just want to know that the app is receiving some support until something comes along to replace it, right? Like, that. that's kind of, for me, in the situation that we're in, the mm. best-case scenario. Yeah, and it's definitely, you know, if workflow gets integrated with iOS or if it gets a major 2.0 update, I believe there's a very strong possibility that it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be, you know, in three weeks at WWDC, we're going to see a whole new workflow. I don't think that's the case. I don't think we'll see workflow as an iOS feature this year. But, you know, maybe next year, maybe with a point update to iOS 11, whenever that happens, that could be, but I wouldn't expect it in three weeks. It is, yeah, it does show how recent it was, right? Like it was only a couple of months ago and WWDC's in three weeks. I just I agree that I just can't imagine we see anything that's like oh that's what the workflow team yeah, went to do yeah. like it it just doesn't feel like it would be yeah. now for me like it could be next WWDC it could be somewhere in between um but it's it I don't think we're going to see it in in June All right should we take a break Yeah Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula, the multifunction content delivery network that boosts the performance of your website, protects it from denial of service attacks, and secures it from the bad guys. Those bad guys. 
whilst ensuring high availability. Let me tell you what those bad guys do. Those bad guys attack websites, and this happens every day. Sites of all sizes can be attacked. Criminals will use giant botnets to scrape website content, try to break into databases, and then bring down sites with denial-of-service attacks. Encapsula's network holds 3 terabits per second of on-demand scrubbing capacity and can process 30 billion attacks per second. This is why Encapsula's network has successfully defended some of the largest website attacks on record. You'll be able to see anything as it happens on the Encapsula dashboard to help you adjust your security policies on the fly. And if something bad does happen, their powerful CDN ensures that your content is delivered to your customers fast. People will never even know that something bad was happening. They would just be going to your website as normal. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. All you need to do is go to Encapsula.com connected that's i-n-c-a-p-s-u-l-a dot com slash connected you'll find out more here about Encapsula's service and claim your free month thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM so uh, in the last couple of weeks Federico has been secretly launching a new Kickstarter project it seems <laughs> oh god no there's uh, a link in the show notes and I think the best way to sum this up is an iPhone case that can make espresso for yeah you. that is the, the most efficient way of summing that up why would you have so little faith in me that you think this could be my project? It's, but it, it, it is I mean, the intersection like of the things that you love, right? It is. Yeah. It is the. It is the anti Federico. This. This thing here, uh, making an espresso with a with your phone with liquid coffee that comes out of a case on the back of your iPhone. That that is like against all of my life principles. Let me rewind a little bit. For people that don't know what we're talking about, which is probably most of everybody. Uh, This Kickstarter project came across our views somehow. And it is, as we have been joking, the exact product is, it is an iPhone case that has the ability to dispense coffee. You put these, like, capsules or something in the side, these, like, card capsules in the side. It heats it up, and you pour coffee via the use of an application i'm not sure how the app helps but apparently it does it's also for samsung phones as well i don't think it's just an iphone case um and it will uh pour coffee out of the top of the case that is what it does so you will always be able to have hot coffee no matter where you are you can just pour it out of the case that you have your phone in um it's concerning a concerning idea um It is a it is a terrible idea. I mean, I do appreciate I do appreciate the um, enterprising nature of the project. Also, because it comes from a bunch of Italian folks, it's it's good to see Italian. You should watch the video, by the things. way. It's terrible and brilliant. The video is terrible. Uh, the video with the with the stranger approaching a lady on the street, walking into a lamppost, and uh, an an espresso from a phone. It's both creepy and concerning from a. I don't know from many points of view, and I I don't even know what to say. Um, there's so many, you know, yeah, Americans call them coffee shops. We call them bars in Italy. The bar in Italy, it's not when you go get it like booze at night. It's where you go eat a sandwich or grab an espresso. And literally in any Italian city, there's like a bar within a hundred meters of each other. Usually, uh, I, I'm not sure what the American unit is for that. Probably. A million inches. Um, anyway, there's so little need for this kind of product. You have to buy a case, 
and you have to carry the case on your phone at the risk of having boiling water in the back of your device, pouring out coffee from a capsule, which is liquid coffee, not even freshly grounded coffee. I, it's just, I, I don't even know. Why, why not just walk into a bar and ask for, a, for an actual espresso? It is worth noting at this point that yesterday, uh, Kickstarter suspended this campaign. And basically what that means is <laughs> Kickstarter are wow. very aware of the fact that this product will never exist, right? Like they may well believe they're going to do this, but it's extremely unlikely that people would be able to make this product. And if they do, it actually doesn't really help anybody. They had a 75,000 euro goal. Uh, they got 90 backers with 4,000 euros raised and then Kickstarter came in and just threw down the ban hammer. But we still well, thought well, the- that it was ridiculous enough uh, to mention yeah. on the show, I love everything about it. The video, the video is so funny in so many ways. My favorite part is when they're like in their office pointing at screens, right? They're like, <laughs> look at technology, and like they have these graphics come up on the screen. And there's one of them where it's like, oh, it's a white text overlaid over the top of a white computer screen, so you can't read it. And I just love stuff like that. It's like you tried so hard. But like no, but you just you couldn't get stuff like that right. Like you just fix that. Just don't do that. Uh, it's brilliant. Like people are just like running their hands over things and like pointing at stuff. It's it's fantastic. It, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a piece of performance art yeah. on the internet. But the real news for me here is that 90 people across the world have lost their minds yeah. if they back mm-hmm. this project. This is the takeaway from from this Kickstarter. So those 90 people pay attention where, where they might be. Those 90 people could all know the company, right? Like, that's, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, also, they were so proud of their patent that they got. They, they put a scan of the, the certificate in the, in the campaign. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of questions about <laughs> that piece of paper. <laughs> it, it looks like it's a patent application <laughs> done by, like, a, a fourth grader in, like, Microsoft Publisher. It's, this not, is, it's not a good this look. This is patent for project. Is that what it says? It was like a logo of the Italian government. It's like the Republic mm. of Italy grants this application uh, pending status. Something let me, like let me ask you, Federico. I'm sure you've dealt with the Italian government. Does this look like a document the Italian government could have created? Uh, uh, let, let me take a look again. Um, so the product, by the way, is called the the Mo case. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not sure we mentioned. Um, well, I mean the well, the logo is kind of stretched. Uh, the 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 Italian mm-hmm. logo. I I don't know. It might as well be because these official documents tend never to look be good, right? terrible. <laughs> they never look good. They never they never look good. But <laughs> I don't know. There's a number. There's an ID. So you know, there's an we ID. Could, might as well be yeah, real. We check it. I'm I'm searching for the number on what I think is the Italian government's patent oh, search page, but it's on Italian, deep. so I I can't really tell. Uh-huh. Uh, if only, if only we knew someone. If I, su- <laughs> I know. Well, he was talking. <laughs> if I did it correctly, and who knows what this page actually says? Not me. <laughs> then it says zero results. So, but hold, hold on a second. Sure. I'm looking at the page, and you could actually use the the. Uh, the Samsung uh, S7 Edge isn't that the phone that used to explode? No, that was the no, Note. A- this is the Edge. That makes your coffee really hot. I wasn't already imagining a coffee explosion in the middle of the street. <laughs> Some guy just walking and coffee explodes all it's over the place. Preheating. Uh, 
Just preheating. <laughs> Optimizations, yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, I guess there's people who might want this kind of coffee. So, look, I'm not judging. I'm just saying, come hang out with me for a day and I'll take you around a bunch of bars in Rome and we could have actual good coffee. And you can also go to the Apple Store and get an actual case. That seems like a better investment for your phone hmm. or the Samsung Store. I'm sure there's some of those. And an espresso machine, the, you know, if that's what you really want in your life. Are there any Huawei stores or mm, LG stores? I don't think they have dedicated stores. I think Samsung might be the only one that does. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just... It's beautiful is what it is. It, it, this is the wonders of human advancement right here. This is this, but this is when it goes <laughs> ever so slightly have you, wrong. Have you seen the little cup that goes with the with yeah, the yeah, little travel like cup? Those things are great, though. <laughs> those things are great. Those little travel cups. Um, iTunes Connect app analytics. So this is not a new thing, right? Like this, this has existed before, but they added some new functionality in that now you can actually see where your customers are coming from so in the past when when app analytics was announced i think like two years ago i think for from my knowledge it basically just provided you information about how many people have come to your page and it gave you some breakdowns of, of how they got there from inside of the store right so like if they were searching for your app or something or coming from browsing but now you you get information like where those people are coming from so you can find if like the websites that they come from so you get links and maybe you can see if people come from whatever marketing campaigns and stuff you've been setting up I assume that this is a very good thing for developers, right? Like any more information is better than no information. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a good change, especially because Apple has waited for so long to add this kind of um, options to the app analytics. And I've already seen some reactions from developers on Twitter saying, well, I just realized that 80% of our customers come from search on the App Store, so now we're investing on search ads. And I almost wonder... If Apple realized we should add search metrics and information to the iTunes Connect so developers can uh, are more incentivized to buy search ads because they realize that search is such a huge component of how customers discover their software. So it's sort of a self-reinforcing loop for Apple. Uh, we roll out analytics and developers realize that search is important, so now they buy more search ads. You know, like, you know, just for it's general marketing, of- it's better, right? So, like, if a, if a developer buys a, a like a marketing spot on Mac Stories or on Five Twelve Pixels, they're gonna know if people are clicking those links and going to the store. Where previously you'd either have to put your own page in the middle, which is which is not elegant enough, mm-hmm. or you'd just be like crossing your fingers and hoping and trying to do some like some kind of wizardry on statistics to work out if maybe there'd been some kind of effect. But now you can actually trace that stuff back, which is useful to have if you're if you're working in this kind of web business like this where links are occurring. You know, it's, it's, that data is available and now it's pe- there for people to see. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Phil Schiller gave uh, an interview to a website called Gadgets 360. What? What? Does anybody know what that is? Gadgets 360. It's a gadgets mixed with an Xbox. It looks like it know. is a. Uh, I'm gonna. It's a. It's an. Uh, I believe it's part of a larger network yes, of yeah. sites in, in India. India. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I. I, I wonder what. what oh, I just realized from. it's called NDTV, like India. NDTV. I don't know if... There it is. Okay. Okay, cool. We're going to go with that. Um, That's clever. 
And he spoke about two two things that were kind of interesting. One is voice assistants and voice canisters and voice boxes, uh, like the Echo, the Google Home, that kind of stuff. I want to read you a couple of quotes um, that Schiller spoke about. He says, uh, There's many moments where a voice assistant is really beneficial, but that doesn't mean you'd never want a screen. So if the idea of not having a screen, I don't think suits many situations. Uh, we're we're going to yeah. talk a little bit later on about the Amazon Echo show. But this is this mm-hmm. is uh, Schiller gave these these uh, reports before there were even any rumors of this product or well, strong rumors of this product. He also went on to say, I think voice assistants are incredibly powerful. Their intelligence is going to grow. They're going to do more for us. But the role of the screen is going to remain very important to all of this. Phil Schiller really is doubling down on these things having screens. So my expectation, you know, we were talking last week about rumors of a uh, Apple voice assistant box like a Siri in a can popping up at some point, I think we can assume that this thing's going to have a screen on it, right? I mean, it sure seems like that's where they're headed with this. You know, anytime Apple talks about a a market they're not in, it's important to pay attention to how they, they speak about it. So there was kind of the, one of the more famous examples of Steve Jobs saying, no one wants to watch a video on their iPod, and then like six months later... There's an iPod with video. But in conjunction with that, they had the iTunes store with TV shows, and and they they introduced a whole ecosystem kind of all at once. Here, I can't help but think it's a similar thing where there's lots of rumors that they're working on this. Uh, like we spoke about last week, these products need a display to fall back to when they can't uh, tell you the information verbally. And... I think Apple's thinking about that as the as like the whole thing, and they don't want to kick people to to an app. Whether or not we see this, like we spoke about last week, you know, in the next couple of weeks or sometime in the next year, I would be really surprised after all of this if it does not have a screen as part of the product. I think it's also interesting that like when Shutter's gone on record with these types of things before, he's talking about like the device you have with you, right? Like that's been the whole thing, and it seems like that they're kind of changing that tune a little bit now. Right, that these things don't necessarily have to be in your pocket, which is definitely the route that Apple has gone down before by kind of being like, oh, your iPhone's the best digital voice assistant because it's always in your pocket. But now it's kind of just like, these things need screens. Right, and I I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of interesting, the way they're kind of like bundling it all up now to be like, the one in your pocket's really great. They're still saying that by saying they need screens, but then also like thinking about what they could end up launching themselves. There you go, could have a screen. Mm. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if adding a screen is also a way to um, entice people to buy this product. And if those people don't have an iPhone or don't have an iPad with the main screen, with the main app, if they don't have the main Apple device, while the speaker with the screen could be the only screen that they're interacting with. You know, if you want to sign into your iCloud account or if you want to manage Apple Music playlists, you don't have an iPhone, but you really want the Apple speaker. Now you can do all things, you know, configuration, setup, and, you know, even confirming some actions, you can do them from the speaker, even if you don't have an iPhone or if you don't have an Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is why the uh, iPad mini is still for sale. They need to keep making the screen so they can bolt it to this thing. <laughs> Could be, actually. That's not I a wild know. thing to say. It really no. isn't. Like, <laughs> that idea makes a lot of sense. Weirdly... There was one other thing that, that, that I wanted to pick out of this article. Schiller gave a bunch of quotes about 
upgrade pricing in the App Store. So he was questioned about this by, by Gadgets360. This just seems like, where is this coming from again? But we're back on that train. And I think he kind of, to me anyway, these quotes kind of shut it all down. So he said, the reason we haven't done this is that it's much more complex than people know, and that's okay. It's our job to think about complex problems. But the App Store has reached so many successful milestones without it, so without upgrade pricing, because the business model makes sense to customers. So he's talking about the new business models make sense to customers. And then he goes on to say, and the upgrade model, which I know very well from my days of running many large software programs, is a model from the shrink-wrapped software days that for some developers is still very important. For most, it's not really a part of the future we are going. I think many developers, I think for many developers, subscription model is a better way to go than to try and come up with a list of features and different pricing for upgrade versus for new customers. I mean, it kind of seems a bit, like he's just shutting it down mm. now, right? It's like, I understand yeah. people want upgrade pricing. That's not where we are now, right? Like we have new tools, use those. I, I do think, and I and I posted this on Mac stories, I, I think it's a complex issue and I see some of the points that, that Schiller mentioned as valid. I do think that the App Store has found incredible success with the simpler model. You know, you don't have to think about do I own an existing license and what is the price if I'm if I'm a new customer or if I'm an old customer? So the App Store is easy to use. But at the same time, I also realize that some developers uh, could have used something like upgrade pricing years ago when the iPad was new, for example, or even when the iPad Pro was new, when iOS 9 came out and a lot of developers were wondering, we want to make professional apps on the App Store for the iPad, but how do we monetize this? Because we've seen that paid apps are not going to cut it for us anymore, and we want to retain our best customers. And it's important to remember that this discussion, the upgrade pricing discussion, has been going on for years now. And Apple only added subscriptions for all categories of apps on the App Store last year. And I'm talking about the auto-renewable subscriptions yep. that you you know, you know buy with your iTunes account and they renew automatically. It was rolled out last year. So I think it's valid in both ways. I think Schiller has a point that the App Store is easy to use, but I also hear the concerns of developers who say, we're not sure how to monetize our apps because we've struggled to implement in-app purchases and many of our customers don't want to subscribe. Uh, they just want to pay once but stay with us over the years. And Chiller is saying, well, you should really look into subscription, subscriptions now because that's the way that you can do free trials. Uh, that's the way that you can do discounts for you know, uh, people who migrate between different groups of subscriptions. And that, for Apple, seems to be the way forward. I just feel like if subscriptions were rolled out years ago, maybe three years ago, the upgrade pricing discussion would have settled a long time ago. Instead, we're still talking about it because, you know, it's a relatively a new thing. And, you know, um, there are some upstream subscriptions and... I've, I've done some research this week. It's maybe slightly more than I was expecting, Um but it still feels like we're in the early stages of developers of productivity apps and utilities considering subscriptions. So it's still early. And I want to see what happens at WWDC. I, I, I'm sure that there are lots of apps that are using subscriptions. I feel like I'm not seeing as many as I expected in the applications that I use. And I do use a lot of professional apps, right? Like I, I, I use a lot of apps that could very well be put behind a subscription and i i don't feel like i'm seeing as many as i thought i would see 
and I'm 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 I wonder why that's the case. Um, like you know, applications that I've seen in the past that do like the really clunky upgrade model, right? Like here's a new application, it's a brand new app, pay mm-hmm. it. Like I have a, I use a bunch of apps that have used that model in the past that haven't attempted, or it seems, to move over to subscriptions. Um, I mean, of course, there's there's always a time for that to change, right? Where they could do it as they're getting ready for a new big version. But I was re- honestly really expecting to see more than than what I'm seeing here. So it it kind of confuses me, where I'm like, a lot of a lot of the indie development community is still asking for upgrade pricing, but they haven't changed their business models in the way that Apple clearly wants them to, because I honestly really do not see apple adding upgrade pricing to the app store i I don't think it's going to happen it is a big it would be a big change to the the overall market and the overall business for a small set of users because you know you've got such a small set of applications that would take advantage of it and then a small set of those users that would actually make the upgrades that it makes more sense for them to try and double down on newer ways of doing things like charging subscriptions, which is a newer business model, or in-app purchases, right? Like free of in-app purchase type applications. It makes more sense, I think, for Apple to push on those. I know that it, it's it's a struggle for a bunch of developers who either can't do subscriptions for whatever reason or don't want to or are not sure how to make it work. But I feel like if you're still running a business that is reliant on upgrade pricing, I mean, that ship sailed 10 years ago now. Like, Mm-hmm. I love you, but find a new way to charge for your application because, as I said, it's been 10 years and it hasn't been here. So I don't think it's ever going to come. But even if it does, mm-hmm. you should probably stop waiting and try and do something else. I- I'm sorry. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I-, I think there's a developers are well aware of the fact that the the realities of the apps are, are different and they're never going to be the same as the shareware era of macOS software. And and I see some developers trying new approaches. Yep. Um, and I see some developers trying subscriptions, trying free trials, which Apple now condones, by the way. If you use a subscription model, you can do a free trial. You actually have a bunch of options. And I was at the sessions at WWDC last year on subscriptions. There's a lot that you can try and experiment with. You can do groups. Uh, you can do trials. You get a higher commission uh, if a user stays with you for over a mm-hmm. year. There's a grace period. There's a lot of settings for developers who want to try subscriptions, and it's pretty sweet, actually. But I feel like, at the same time, um, if Apple wants to insist on this idea that if you want to do a professional app on the App Store, and I do believe that we need many of those. We need the App Store to have not just weather apps, you know, maximum respect to weather apps and calculators, but we also need more serious software. And we, there's only half of the story coming from Apple. So yes, we do have subscriptions. What what other incentives do we have? Can we make iPad apps? Can we make professional apps that are just as powerful as the Mac counterparts? So it's pretty sweet that we can do subscriptions, but do we have the APIs to make those professional apps as powerful, as intuitive, and as flexible as they can be on the desktop? Because otherwise people are just going to create web apps and desktop apps and charge 
on their own stores. So it's great that iTunes Connect has these options now, but it also needs to happen on an API and SDK level. Uh, they need to allow developers to make powerful stuff and charge for it with the new model. But I, I only think we're halfway there. I think it's interesting, too, that Schiller framed it the way that he did. You know, before he was Apple, he was at Macromedia, talking like 20 years ago. And like in saying that, he's really saying, to your point, Mike, this is an old way of thinking about it. And as you guys were talking, I was just looking through my iPhone, you know, my home screen and, and apps I use a lot. And there are a lot of those apps that I do pay for, but they, they're not necessarily subscriptions in the app store. Something like Todoist is free, but I'm paying for a premium account, you know, through their website. Or like one password I pay for, you know, teams and family. So I'm paying, you know, on an ongoing basis to use it, but the app itself is free. So even if you're not paying for an app s- subscription through the store, many of the apps and services we use, you know, there's some sort of account component that you're paying for. But I agree with you guys. It's just, it's a really outdated way of thinking about it. And, you know, you can say that it was prematurely put out to pasture because Apple structured the th- the way that they did. But like, that's beside the point because Apple controls it. Like, you may be mad that Apple got rid of a business model you used to use, but without the App Store, there would be no business model to be had. So I think holding on to that is, while it's understandable, it's, the time has passed. And I think that the subscription model Apple has laid out is the way forward. And, you know, there was a lot of talk in the beginning about subscription fatigue. Like, I was going to be paying $3 a month for 100 apps. I don't think this happened to anybody. And I, I agree with you that it may increase over time as you know apps get updated. But I think that up, that upgrade fatigue is real too. And if if every time you upgraded a version of an iOS app and they pinged you for more money, uh, I think people would get tired of that and people would, would be hesitant to update their apps because they're unsure if it's free or if it's going to be paid. They don't be surprised. And so I think subscriptions make the whole thing more predictable for a user, which is what users want. Uh, and they give developers who do the work to earn that money, they they give them reliable income each month. And that's what developers want. It's a win-win. And so I think it's just time to, to move on. Speaking of which, let's move on. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Away. Your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. And that's why Away make premium suitcases with fantastic features for just under $300, believe it or not. Go to awaytravel.com slash connected and you'll be able to peruse Away's collection of suitcases, all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, while still remaining lightweight. Away offers four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large, and they have nine fantastic colors for you to choose from. I just did a bunch of traveling in April. On one of the trips, uh, we were coming back from Romania and both of our suitcases were coming out of the carousel and Adina's comes first and she has this huge crack in it um, and then mine comes perfectly fine. So that's, that, is, that is the German polycarbonate at work with my away suitcase, which I was taking with me. I really love my away suitcase. It was fantastic for some of the trips that I was taking it on because it has the four wheels, which I really love, the 360-degree four wheels, which is awesome. So much better than two wheels. Um, it has a removable washable laundry bag. So when you're at the place that you're at, you can just take this laundry bag out from a little zip pocket and just put your dirty laundry on there. And you can zip it all up and then put it back in the case when you're done, which I really like. So it keeps everything separate. 
Of course, the the best feature is the USB power brick, which is on the carry-on models. So you always have a battery with you to charge your phone. It's fantastic. All of their carry-ons are compliant with major US airlines, and they all maximize the amount that you can pack because they have this amazing compression system, which gets you stuff, tons of stuff into these cases. Away believe in the quality of their products. They offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix it or replace it for life. They have a 100-day trial as well. So you can try it, you can live with it, you can travel with it. And if at any point you decide your away case isn't for you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. And they have free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the US. But they do ship to other places around the world as well. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. Go to awaytravel.com slash connected and use the code connected at checkout and you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash connected and the code connected for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. So just before the episode today, um, Amazon announced the Echo Show. The Echo Show. Is that a podcast? Yeah, it's a new podcast. It's me and Jeff Bezos. And uh, <laughs> we're just in a really big room and there's just a lot of Echo, right? Get it? Get it, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. No. The show is over, guys. Go check out the show notes. Wait, at do you is this the fan. Echo show notes? What are we talking about now? I'm really confused. <laughs> oh god. Okay, Why? so the Why? Echo show it will be released on June 28th for 229 dollars. There's no international release or pricing information as of the time of recording. It features a seven-inch touchscreen, a five-megapixel camera mounted on the front for video calling, powerful room-filling speakers with Dolby processing which is something we lifted off of the uh, page, so it sounds a bit marketing-y. And it has eight, and the same eight microphone away as in the tall, the Ray, sorry, as in the tall Echo. So it can hear you from other rooms and it can do all noise cancellation and stuff like that. So it's got everything the current Echo has, the big, the big long tube, with a, with a touchscreen on the front of it. Now, what can you do with said touchscreen, Stephen? You can do all sorts of things you can touch it and you can see mm. things it's touch, touch screen, screen. does both <laughs> should be a product developer Steve. i know <laughs> wow. so they uh from their their marketing page is really all we have at this point uh the flash briefings that are part of the echo service now so you can say hey what's the news and it you know you get audio uh they're working with content providers to do video so you could ask it what the news is and little i guess steven inskeep from npr walks out on your echo and tells you the news oh they should do it that uh, way Right? Where, like, yeah. someone's like, walking across the bottom of the screen and they're like, hey there, <laughs> let me tell you about the news. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be all for that. All right, we're going to pivot. Pivot, everyone. It seems like it would do YouTube playback, although I'm not quite sure if it's like a YouTube client or you just talk to it and it pulls you something. If you're listening to Amazon Music, so if you like any of the six albums that are streaming on Amazon oh. Music, you can see the lyrics for those. You can see footage from security cameras that connect with the Echo service. So I have Nest Cams at home and I have a Canary. Neither of them work with this. So I'm questioning everything about my security camera setup. But you could ask it to show security footage from like the front porch and it shows you a live stream of that, which is super nice. It works with two different providers right now. It's Ring, who do the doorbells and cameras, and it's one other company's name I can't remember. I'd never heard of them before. Yes. You think that is, Ar- uh, the Arlo camera? Yeah. Arlo. Yeah, that's Netgear, I think. It's the Netgear oh, okay. brand for cameras, if I recall correctly, I think. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so that, I think, is, is pretty compelling. 
Uh, they're going to have some other stuff on there, weather forecast. You can see your shopping list, to-do list, and that sort of stuff. So it is a it's a way to sort of bring that content more to life uh, than just what they can do with just a speaker. So it seems like kind of a, a natural uh, evolution. But they're also adding video conferencing via this Echo and the companion mobile app. And it seems like they're doing audio calling for all devices. So we could talk on our Echoes. Um, you know, if your iPhone isn't nearby, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I I did sort of laugh. Uh, our friend Zach, who writes at 9to5Mac, tweeted, Echo with a camera and no display. So talking about last week. Creepy. Echo with a camera and a screen. Okay. So, like, I did kind of laugh at that. Um, I'm sure you can see the difference, right? Like, I know why. What's the difference? Okay. So, the, one of the reasons people find the look, I guess, a little bit creepier, although I don't think it is, as we were talking about last week, that's going in the bedroom. Right, like I think that's one of the things is it's going in the bedroom, which is what people don't like. I don't. Well, yeah, that's how they're mark. That's how they're marketing yeah, so it. So that's I, I think that the marketing that you were seeing for the look was kind of different. I don't know. I don't think they're creepy, but I can see why people would say that. Plus, there is this weird thing about the the screen. It's like, oh, I know these devices, but no screen. Hmm. It's like, what are you doing in there? You know, like there's just this yeah. like nebulousness about it when you when there's like no ui so you're like are you looking at me like you can't see what it's doing because it's giving you no visual and it's and it's got lights and stuff or whatever but like we're used to like i'm looking at the big screen right now and has a camera on top there's another one right there there's another one right there i look at one all day i'm used to that but like these little cameras that just sit there quietly they're a little bit more creepy looking i think because it's a security camera hmm. right like i think we're maybe a little bit more like there are these security cameras all around us. We don't know who's looking. At. Yeah, I don't know. This is a different mental thing, but I do get the joke. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a fair assessment. I agree with you. Like, it's just the the marketing. Um, but yeah, so they're going to do video conferencing, video conferencing with it, which I think is really interesting. This comes at a time where any smartphone, iPhone or not, can do video conferencing. Um, and Mike, I think you have some thoughts around like the pros and cons of that. Yeah, I think it's kind of strange to like. So this this device, this Echo Show, you're going to set it up in a place in your house, right? It's probably going to be the kitchen because that's where most people tend to put their Echoes. It may change with this device, but like, let's just imagine it's all going to go in the kitchen. If you want to make a video call, like everyone has to go to the kitchen and like stand in front of the device. It just seems strange to me. Like you're like, oh, I need to call grandma. Let me go to the kitchen, and then ever all the f- whole family like <laughs> huddles around the kitchen counter to look at. Like with our devices now that yeah, we but- have, you can be anywhere you want to be, and they're in your hand, and you're holding them up, and it's fine, right? Like it's easy. Yeah, but Amazon is adding um, calling and messaging to the Alexa app on iOS no, that's and great. Android. Also. Like, no, that's awesome. I think that's great. That's a really good thing. But I'm just saying, like this one device, the Echo Show. Right, like the idea of there being video conferencing on that one device, just it just seems strange to me. It's like it doesn't mm. really feel like the setting in which you would make these calls. Having the audio calls, which is now coming to all of the devices, audio calling makes way more sense to me for the same reasons that the Echo currently works. Right, with audio calling, you could be walking around a bit. Right, you don't have to be looking at the device. You can have your back to the device, especially if the microphones are as good as we think they are. Right, you could be on the other side of the room, and it will pick you up fine when you're speaking to people. And with audio calling, you can continue doing whatever you're doing. Right, so like I could be, as I'm always doing, right, when I'm using it, I'm cooking. Right, so I'm cooking. I can be having an audio call. A video call whilst I'm cooking doesn't really work so well. So I can see why they're adding. I don't know. Maybe with your parents, it could work. 
you know? Why, though? I think for... I mean, I, I do occasionally do FaceTime with yeah. my mom when I'm cooking just because, you know, I just put the iPhone there and I do the I video I mean, sure. Call. But then if you're moving away, right? Like if the call... If, you, if you're not done with the call just and you're ready sh- to leave the room, you just pick up the iPhone and you take it with you, right? My, my point is like, I don't really think that for the video calling aspect, this gives us anything that we need or that we don't already have served by other devices where... I, the only thing that it will do is like the, the hands free and it's all in the place. But like, I just think that the audio calling makes more sense to me than the video calls because it just seems awkward. But I don't know. Who, who am I to say? I don't know. This looks kind of clever to me. Uh, and I was against the idea of the echo with the screen. And I was under the assumption that it was going to be a small screen, kind of like a glorified intercom, like a very tiny display. And I wasn't, I don't know, I, I wasn't, under the impression that Amazon wanted to do like a mini, like an iPad mm-hmm. mini screen. And this makes a lot more sense to me. And the idea of this stationary display that just sits there and you can view menus and you can view, you know, you can tap around if you want, you can view confirmation messages, you can view lyrics, and you can do mm-hmm. video calls without having to worry about like using a phone. I don't know, it kind of makes sense to me. There's uh, there's sort of a relief about it. You know, it just sits there, and it, if I want to do a video call, I just sit there. Otherwise, I don't. Don't get me wrong. There's something right? about like, it. Like, I, I think that this device makes as much sense as the Echo does for all the things that it does, and it will be better, right? Like, the idea of, of being in the kitchen and asking the questions and getting some visual prompts or, like, asking it to show me a video. Like, I, I, I agree with all of that. Like, I think that stuff... Is good. I think that is a, a good advancement. Uh, the the only thing that I just think is is honestly superfluous is the video conferencing. I just don't. I just don't think it's that necessary. But I the the product as a whole, I think it is a good continuation of the Amazon Echo line. Yeah. Like it is a logical yeah. next step. Like to move to continue to move down this road. Like what else can we do if we had a screen? Oh, we can have security cameras on there. Oh, and we can show people video. Like again, like if I'm working in Amazon, I'm probably going to put video conferencing in the thing, right? Because it's got a camera and a screen on it. Like you put it in there. Yeah. But but like I just don't <laughs> think people are going to use it. Um. But I I I think that the audio calling is is clever. Um. I would be interested to see how that takes off because like the Amazon companion app for these devices kind of sucks it's terrible it's so bad just awful (laughs) i can't see how they're going to do a good experience of audio and video calling inside of the current application that they have because it is terrible something about the video calling though uh that makes sense to me a lot uh and i do see your point there's the drop-in feature basically uh if you have like uh, an elderly relative and they have an echo show just sits there you can drop in and check in on them without having to you know to teach them how to for example use the facetime ui on the phone and there's something about it it's like a remote camera for someone that you want to check in with that's kind of weird though it, it is but he also kind of i mean i don't think i like that i i can see why you would like that i don't when like my, that. I, 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 when my grandma was alive i would have uh-huh. liked something like this honestly to be able to drop in and check in on her. Yeah. And she used to live alone, you know? And mm-hmm. this would have been useful, I think. Yeah, I, I agree in, like, in those scenarios. Like, the, 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 the scenario you have painted there, that is a good reason to have something yeah. like this. I struggle to think of anything outside of 
elderly care and childcare where you would want something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so can you explain this? I don't think I've seen this feature. What is this drop-in feature? I so, like, so, you can um, just pop in. Um, I'm only reading through the the web page on the Amazon website, but basically, there's the normal calling, so you can do mm-hmm. voice calling, you can do video calling, and there's there, there's dropping. And my understanding is you gotta authorize some contacts. Uh, Amazon describes them as closest family and friends um, to be able to just drop in and. Uh, check in on them and I assume there's going to be like a simplified UI or a simplified prompt to be able to initiate video calling that seems to be the idea um I don't know. I, I, there's a, an FAQ on the on the website. It says, uh, can I specify who gets to drop in on me? And Amazon says, yes, you choose who, if anyone, can drop in on you. You also choose which devices are available for drop-in. For example, you might turn on drop-in for the Echo Show in the kitchen, but not for the Echo Show in the living room. Okay. I mean, okay. I can see the benefits of this feature. but I it's, I, ve- it's a very narrow use case, I think. I don't know if I like it, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Just because, like, say with the with the canary, right? Mm. You can do that when I set it in certain modes, and yeah. you have like the mode has to be changed for the camera to be viewable. This is kind of a little bit like you could just pop in on anyone at any point. I don't know. It just seems a bit strange. But there are uses, right? Like we've yeah. we've established them. There are definite use cases for this. But I can just see like. Uncomfortable conversations. Yes, yes. You know? Yes. And, and also, I love the idea of friends. Who, who, who is giving this to their friends, not their family? No, not, not, not to their friends, but, you know... Who's I, doing I that? I would give one to my parents, honestly, <laughs> and to, to tell them, okay, just put, it, put this in the kitchen. Don't do any weird stuff in the kitchen. Oh, God. <laughs> and anytime <laughs> I want, I can drop in on <laughs> you guys. You see? You have to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I no mean, one, yes. No one wants to, right? But that's it. That's the conversation. It's like you could just, you could pop in and then, <laughs> oh, I don't like I it, man. I assume there's going to be like, like the assistant whose name I won't say... Uh, will be like, there's a drop-in incoming from Federico in five seconds. Something like that, I assume. I don't know. we got to see it in practice. Um, yeah. A lot of the, what Amazon is doing with the Echo um, sort of floats between genius and uncomfortable, uh, this, this whole yeah. product line. That is the way of pushing this stuff forward, though, right? Like, all of these types of assistants, very frequently, they're going to fly too close to the sun. Right, like that is kind of the way that we move this technology forward. Is every now and then something's going to be great, and every now and then something's too close to being weird, yeah. right? And it's like it is mm. a balance that they have to find, but they have to go that far to know how far they can go. But there are strange points about it, right? So it's like you can take these features and they can be terrifying and really useful. <laughs> For different people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really don't like the sound of this feature, mm-hmm. but I can understand that some people could find real genuine use in it. But I, I think that it is, it makes me feel uncomfortable, honestly. But, but I can, as I say, I can appreciate the use in it. Like, I'm not just going to blanket say that it's creepy mm-hmm. because I don't think it is. But it just is for me. I just don't like the thought of it. Not that you know. I'm not like doing. I'm not like I don't know cooking meth or anything. Can I can like, I drop in on you, Mike? <laughs> I 
I, I really don't. I just don't want you to. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm sometimes I'm in my underwear, right? Like that's just the thing. I'm in my home. Leave yes. me alone. All right. I'm in my home. It's my home. Yeah. I do what I want. I, I, want, I don't want you popping in. Yeah, I won't drop. I won't drop in. Don't worry. I just okay. drop in on Steven. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I won't drop in that often, you know. Just, he's just okay with it. He, he told That's me before the show he's okay with it. So, yeah. So here's the thing, right? Yeah. This product is not shipping for like seven weeks. Mm. Now, apparently, there are rumors that Google might be getting ready to show a very similar product at Google I/O next week. Mm. Seen some rumors of that. That's kind of interesting, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, Amazon are like, well, <laughs> mm. here we go, <laughs> June twenty eighth. Do you think it was announced? before google just to put the pre-orders in for example yeah i do i do mm. this is a this is a thing that companies do right like big competitor has an event in like a week we have a product that's nearly ready to go uh why don't we just announce the product now right like this is a thing that that these companies do because you don't know what they're gonna have right lots of companies do this to apple for example right there's an Apple event on the horizon. Let's yeah, make sure yeah. we all get our phone announcements out now because we have no idea what they're about to do. Yeah, like like uh, what's the name of the headphone company? Braggy, Braggy. Last oh yeah, year, yeah. With mm-hmm. the AirPods, <laughs> they just held an event in Cupertino like a day before the Apple one. So yeah, I do. I get it. I get it. it makes sense. I had I had an interesting conversation with my spouse about this last night. You know, it was heavily rumored that it was coming and. Like I've talked about, we use the Echo. It's in our kitchen like everyone else's is. And she was – I pre-ordered one, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but I I was surprised to hear her hesitancy to put something like this in the kitchen because it had a screen. Not not the camera thing, um, but that she wasn't in love with the idea of like having a screen, like having that sort of technology in the kitchen that she likes that the Echo is just a voice assistant. You just – you speak to it so you're not kind of glued to looking at it. And I found that that – interesting and so this thing may end up just in my office with me but the way amazon presents is like you have one in your kitchen you have one in your living room like they are trying to build uh, uh an ecosystem where you have this thing sort of like ever present in your house and if if this sticks in my household you know we'll have to put the tall echo somewhere so maybe that comes to the office and the dot goes in the bedroom or something you know but it's it's i, just, I found that interesting that she didn't want like that level of technology in the kitchen. Like she likes the Echo because you can ignore it and if unless you want it. But a screen, you know, like the kids are going to want to look at it all the time and it's like distracting. And usually I don't know how y'all's kitchens are, but like where our Echo is is like very often stuff gets sat in front yeah. of it. So we'd yeah. have to like uh, deal, deal with that. It's just, a, it's just an interesting mm-hmm. like change from having something that is just a voice what assistant. I, what I find fascinating is the... The reverse approach that Amazon is taking with getting developers to build stuff for the Echo platform. So take Apple, for instance, or even Google. Uh, they both started with a, with the main OS on the phone, and they get developers to build apps. So native apps, mm-hmm. the basic component is the app. And over the years, both Apple and Google have added all of these extra pieces on top of the app. So extensions, widgets, you know, the Siri API, and, you know, iMessage. Instead, Amazon is starting from the very extra pieces. So they're starting with the uh, Echo skills, so very rudimentary skills. You can talk to the Echo and you can receive audio responses. Then they uh, added on top you know, more textual components, a deeper API, deeper conversations, and AI um, APIs that developers could integrate with. Now they're adding... Uh, a visual UI. I assume there's going to be, if not today, there's going to be eventually an announcement of with the 
Echo SDK, you will be able to build visual interfaces. And so Amazon is getting closer to having this app ecosystem that didn't start from the traditional app store. Well, they tried with the Amazon app store and the Fire Phone, but now they're trying again with a reverse approach of the main platform uh, owners, which are, you know, uh, Apple and Google. And instead, they're starting from these islands and they're eventually maybe gonna have their own OS, but in a different way. I find that very fascinating and different from the rest of the industry, honestly. Yeah, I, I feel like of everyone that is doing this, I mean, and we'll see what Google come out with and we'll see what Apple may eventually come out with. But, you know, like in the world in these things currently exist, right, there are Cortana devices starting to pop up. Amazon definitely seems the most serious, right? Like they are the ones that are really putting a lot of weight behind this i feel like the i mean the google home doesn't really seem to have really pushed forward and you know i hope that we see some from that something from them next week but you know like it was like oh we're gonna add these different integrations and they added some and then that was kind of it where amazon is very much just like we're an open platform come and do what you need and and i feel like that there is more advancement going on here than there is with our companies especially when this is like what the fifth device, mm-hmm. Echo device. Yeah, right. Because they did so. what the the regular one, the dot, the little Bluetooth, the yes. little battery powered one. Yeah. Then the look mm-hmm. and now the show. Right. Yeah, they are the really iterating quickly yeah. and continuing to advance their technology. Um, that this is this is a serious play for Amazon. Nobody knows how well these things actually sell, but however many it is, it's enough money or enough sales for Amazon to believe that they're onto something to the point that they will continue to keep making and releasing new devices. And what should be maybe to a degree concerning for Apple is the degree that Amazon is uh, going after developers by offering them APIs to do stuff like OCR. Uh, AI features in the cloud. So to get developers to rely on their platforms, kind of like they did for websites with the uh, with AWS, uh, they're doing now for machine learning, for AI features, computer vision, OCR, all of these modern implementations, they're getting developers to rely on them. And they're also saying, now you can use those SDKs and those APIs from us in your Amazon Echo skills uh, and apps, you can also implement them in other iOS apps. So they're kind of gaining a foothold in the developer's ecosystem in a different way. And that is why I believe eventually Apple is going to get serious about, you know, telling developers, well, now you can also have our, you know, uh, API uh, for, you know, AI, machine learning, OCR, all of this modern computer vision stuff. You can have them natively from us as well. Maybe it's going to be a cloud kit component but if you look at amazon what they're doing with the with the echo platform with the voice services and with the uh, ai stuff even if you look at microsoft with the uh it used to be called project oxford now i think it's called microsoft cognitive services uh but both companies are serious about getting developers to rely on this stuff you know voice activation text processing text to speech speech to text all of these modern features that apple doesn't offer you know in the cloud it doesn't offer with as a cloud kit component and i think apple eventually has to get serious about this space otherwise you know developers are going to rely on amazon just like website owners rely on amazon today for cdns and you know any kind of content delivery really so Stephen, you mentioned you'd ordered one, right? I did, yep. The, the shows, okay. And Federico? 
Are you going to... I mean, it's not available it's outside not a, of the US right now. Yes, but thanks to our common friend, John, uh, I indirectly pre-ordered one and I assume okay. I will get it eventually if, you know so you, UPS. you're not going via a sketchy eBay salesperson well I mean um, I don't think John is a sketchy individual uh, so no eh. not the <laughs> is he? no no he's a great guy so he's gonna uh, ship one to me from the US hopefully it'll work just as you know the Echo from the US works in Italy which is you don't yeah. get most of the location stuff but you get everything else I'm probably going to do exactly what I did last time, um, like a bit of a wait and see. I want to see how you guys react to it because I'm not really, I'm not really that keen on doing that whole thing of like buying one from the US, getting it shipped to me, mm. because I I like what I currently have. I'm fine with it. Like I'm not, I'm not aching for a touchscreen version of this. I think it would be nice, but like I'm not like, oh, if only it, you know, it's, it's not really a thing that I have. But if if you guys get it and or people start to get it and love it as much as they love the original one, then maybe I'll maybe I'll pick one up when I'm in sometime in America. I mean, what is it like end of June? This thing comes out, or so yeah, maybe sometime in August or something. But yeah, I mean, or they may just announce it in the UK, which Amazon you have such strange product sales, very peculiar. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, that is it. The Amazon Echo Show. What do you think of that name, by the way? I mean, we made jokes about it, but like... I, I like it. Yeah? It does the yeah. job, right? I think so. Yeah. Want to find our show notes for this week? Relay.fm slash connected slash 141. Thanks to Encapsula and Away for sponsoring this week's episode. If you'd like to find Federico online... He's over at MacStories.net. He's at Fatici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And, of course, as well as his shows on Relay FM, Federico hosts the App Stories podcast, which is it's AppStories.net, right, Federico? Yes, yes. You can go check that out. Uh, Steven is at 512pixels.net. He's at ISMH on Twitter, and he is the producer. So so fancy. <laughs> I, I, I called him a producer at the start of the show, but he is the actual producer of uh, Download on Relay FM. You should go check it out at relay.fm slash download. So it's a great show. It's getting better and better every single week. You should go check it out. Um, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I don't really do anything else. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.